RadioInfluence.com. Gentlemen, start your engines. Are you ready for some racing? IndyCar season is here. Yeah, here, here, right where I'm at in St. Petersburg. I mean, it is gorgeous. Wherever you are around the country, or even if you're in a different country, if you're suffering through the winter, I feel for you. I do. I do. But feel for us when we have six months of brutal heat and humidity. But it's beautiful right now, and that's why IndyCar starts their season in St. Petersburg, Florida. Every year through the streets of downtown St. Pete. Downtown St. Pete. I was down there just the other day. Oh, my God. It's gorgeous. I just like parking my car. I'm walking around, seeing the shops, the stores, the bars, the restaurants. You're on the water. This track where they race is on Albert Witted Airport, right by Al Lang Stadium. You can see the water, the palm trees, downtown. Everybody that comes in from out of town, different countries, they love St. Petersburg and Tampa Bay and at this time of year. And so that's why I want to do this a little bit different. Now, it's really not an X's and O's racing. If you're a diehard uh, IndyCar aficionado, my first question to both of my guests, Celine Royon is a young gentleman. He'll be second. All right. He's also a pilot. He's got a great story. And Jason Bell. Jason Bell has been around. He's a little bit older than some of the other drivers. He had life that interrupted his passion when he started in uh, go-karts. And he started, I think, in 2001. Then he was also, he started working and doing, you know, starting his own business. And then he was still racing a little bit at the same time. And now he's full go. And he's the current GTE America 2021 GT4 champion. He's been successful. Great guy. He's lived in Tampa. He's a Tampa guy. I've been covering sports here in Tampa Bay, living here now for over 25 years. And we met for the first time doing this podcast. And I had never met uh, Celine Royan until today, which you're going to hear. And he's a pilot, young guy. He's getting his commercial pilot's license. He's a pilot right now. He flew from Orlando to Albert Witted Airport for the press conference. Sometimes he takes his lunch and has lunch at the hangar in St. Pete. Gets in the plane, boom, let me go over to from Orlando. Let me go over to St. Pete. Let me go over to the hangar. Let me have lunch here. Let me look around. Boom, I'll go back. Very interesting. So really, it's their story. How did they get started? How are they How are they able to maintain? Because IndyCar racing, when you're when you're racing at this level, man, it is, it's big business. You got to have a sponsor, sponsorship. Some aren't able to do that. It's hard. And then you still got to race and be successful and everything. So this is a little bit different. Now, if you're an IndyCar fan, you're an aficionado, it's not an X's and O's really down and dirty detailed about this race. Although I ask each one of my guests in the beginning about the race, they go a little bit on their team. And then what about them? I want to find out what makes them tick. All right. After I talked to Jason and uh, my man, Celine, I am going to give you a couple of different things that are just one thing I got to get off my chest. Oh, my God. On social media, you know, when it comes to like the box or wherever I have been covering, I get these people that are so adamant and so confident in their opinions. And I'm like, that's fine. And then I'll say, well, listen, I was there. Here's what's happening. Where you? And they're still, no, you're wrong. And they're on their couch. I wish I had this much confidence. Where did this come from? But I want to talk about that. The Super Bowl is done now. Uh, it was a great football season, but let's go. You ready for some IndyCar racing? You ready to find out what makes these drivers tick? 
They put on their pants just like you and me. They're everyday people. And I'm going to start with Jason Bell. It was an honor to meet him for the first time. What a good dude. Here he is. Good luck in this uh, Grand Prix of St. Pete, Jason. Here you go. All right, I am with Jason. Jason, you have to be pumped up. I mean, where you are, all that you've done, and here you are going to start the season in your home area in Tampa Bay and St. Pete, and what happened with COVID, and here you are. you, you got to be pumped up. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. I'm I'm more than pumped. I wish we could drive right now, actually. Uh, you know, that's what I said, um, you know, our series, actually, I believe, is is some of the best racing, uh, the GT series. So, and like I said last year, you know, we have GT Sprint that's usually here. So the format's different. You know, typically it's the Sprint X series that's here. So you got two drivers, they stop, you split the racing. This is the uh, new GT America, which sports car racing was born on, where you have split class you know, GT4s and GT3s, and then it's a single driver for 50 minutes. So it's a really great racing format. And last year was, uh, you know, was a good good year for me. Um, but I'm excited about this race. Uh, you know, I think two years ago, well, four years ago when I raced here the first time, well, five years ago the first time, I had like 300 people out here. So it was almost like it was, uh, you know, I had, <laughs> it was great for me. Uh, and I'm excited this year because, you know, our, our team has come a long way and, and, you know, we won five races last year and I'm looking forward to sweeping this weekend. Now, your story is really phenomenal. You know, you grew up with a big family and you were go-karting and then, you know, it's about, it's also about money and oh, business. Yeah. And so you ended up being a very successful businessman, got back into it late and now you're having success. I mean, do you think it means even more because of what you had to do? You know what I mean, Jason? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, obviously I'm not as young as Kyle. I wished I was, <laughs> but, uh, I wish I was as young as you. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the thing about it is, is, um, that's that's really true you know all forms of racing it's expensive right it's um you either have to have a really good sponsor that's going to get behind you or a wealthy family or you're going to make your own money and if you really go through the paddock uh there's a lot of stories like mine where people want to do something like that obviously you have to have money to do it so I made money. I, you know, when I was younger, I raced go-karts. And then once I became successful, I started getting back into racing. And then, you know, it just, just the drive that I have to do it, it's, uh, yeah, that's exactly, you're right. So I was able to get myself back into it, basically. Now, now when you were a businessman and you had your businesses and you're working hard, did you always in the back of your mind saying, I know I'm going to be back in this? Yeah. Or were there times where like, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to do it? Well, again. you know what's unique is I actually started doing it when I was still running the businesses. So um, probably I got into this series six years ago and then open, I was racing open wheel cars. So about 10 years ago is when I started really getting back into racing. In the last four years, I've been doing a lot of racing. Obviously, I sold my company two years ago, but I still work for the company I sold it to. But obviously, this is, uh, if I could make money, I'd do a lot of money doing this, uh, I wouldn't do anything else. <laughs> now, I love it. You know, we're here, we're here in Tampa Bay, and obviously, we had Brady. And I love it with an older guy able to compete. But once you get in the car... Does age, you know, does age matter at all, Jason? No, actually, to be honest with you, I, it doesn't. Um, with these cars, I mean, I can point, you know, you'll have some guys here, uh, obviously, 
older than me. Um, so we've got a couple of guys in their mid to late fifties. And one guy that is just amazing, uh, Bill Oberlin, and everybody knows who he is. He's, I don't want to say his age. He might get mad at me, but <laughs> he's an older guy, but he is fierce. So you don't know who's in the car. You see a helmet, you don't know who it is. You know, so but it def- definitely as long as your eyesight's sharp, your reaction and you feel great. I mean, you could race these cars. Two more. Can you explain to us that don't do this? What it's like when you're in a race, when you get behind there, the adrenaline rush, everything. Can you kind of put it into words, Jason? I don't think I can do it justice, to be honest with you. But I can tell you that it's it's almost. I don't know if you ever watch anything that you like get the chills, you know, and you just get that spiny chill. And this is racing for an hour and that it's the same feeling. It's it's just amazing. Um, I can't explain it, really. I mean, it's it's a, it's something that it's if you haven't tried it, it'd be worth going to try it. <laughs> I mean, it's not for everybody, uh, but the competition and just the whole feeling of what you get out of it. It's amazing. Here's my last one. I always ask all my guests, any advice, any advice for youngsters or young people that want to want to do this? They say they have the passion. What about it, Jason? Yeah, you know, for for a young guy that that that, you know, obviously the the funding is always an issue for a lot of guys. I mean, you can look at Kyle over there. I mean, he was uh, I actually known Kyle since he was this big. Uh, I used to race go karts at the same track as him and they used to call me Rocket Man and follow me around. And then I see him now as, uh, you know, starting his first race in the, in the big IndyCar series. I mean, he's done it the right way. He's still, you know, in his 23. Uh, he didn't have money, but he went through the steps of being at the go-kart track, finding people, finding him, you know, and getting the sponsors. So Kyle's a perfect story to as far as not having a lot of money, and, and you can make it. You just got to be there. Yeah. Best of luck to you, man, and congratulations on all your success, Jason. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you man. Thank you, Rock. Jason's a good guy. Seemed like a real good guy. And, you know, he's sponsored by the Meat Market. The Meat Market is an upscale restaurant in one of the nicest spots in Tampa. Now, I did. He said, you ever eat there? Actually, to be honest, Jason, I haven't actually eaten there. My friends have eaten there. I have walked by there and have been so jealous. It's about time because when I get the recommendation from my friends that say the service, the quality of the meats, the ambiance, oh my God. I did a podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago and we sat down in the little, it's like a little town square in the area of Tampa. It's a beautiful little area. Hustle and bustle, weather was gorgeous. And I mean, that's a great sponsor you got, Jason. So man, hook me up. No, I'm just kidding. Best of luck. Best of luck in the race in St. Pete. All right, let me bring in my next racer. Let me find out what makes this uh, driver tick. Celine Royan. He is a Cuban-American race car driver from Orlando. Uh, he started, I think, when he was like 15 with his dad. He got a, a degree at UCF. And at a time, he worked at an Orlando Mazda dealership. Uh, you know, he's a pilot. And like I said before, he actually will fly. He'll get in this plane, go from Orlando to Albert Witted, right where he's going to race in the first IndyCar race of the season. Right along Albert Witted, that's the course. He flies there. He flew to this press conference where I interviewed him. 
How about that? Um, but a real nice young guy. So how excited is he about starting this IndyCar season? And also, you know, what makes him tick? What makes him tick? That's what I'm trying to find out. All right, here we go. Celine, take it away. All right, so uh, it must feel fantastic. Here you are. You're going to start the season. It's a great course. This place really supports this race and everything that's gone over the last couple of years. I mean, you just must be so, so, so happy, huh? I'm so happy to be here. I love this track. This is my favorite racetrack. And, and as, as I mentioned, my favorite airport to fly into. Um, but yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be crazy. Our MX-5 Cup cars put on a fantastic show. We are inches apart the whole way through, inches apart from each other, inches apart from the wall. We might tap the wall a little bit. If, if we're hitting our mirrors on the wall, that means we're, we're using all the track, but it's going to be a, a fantastic race. And the weather's great today. Weather's going to be great for, for the race weekend. Couldn't be more ecstatic. Now, not only are you a great driver, but for our listeners, you also are a pilot and you flew into here. Is there just something in your DNA where you like to drive fast? Do you have to, to be in the air? Where did this come from? You know, the pilot thing came from just being in college and not knowing where I'm going and then and then just thinking about, hey, how, how about being a pilot? You know, I, I love racing race cars. I've been doing that all my life, and I've been in flight school. I'm, uh, I have my commercial license, commercial, single commercial multi, and I've been doing it for about a little about two years at this point so it's great and then I, then you know I, obviously I knew about this event I live in Orlando so I've flown into this airport eaten lunch at that in the airport restaurant many times and it's just great and it's you know this is a, a smaller airport so you don't see like private jets coming in it's just small general aviation airplanes so it just makes it such a, a warm feeling and then you know racing on this on, on this track and front straightaway being the runway it just makes it very special for me. Sheelan, is there any comparison, any similarities between when you get behind that cockpit to take off and getting behind the wheel? You know, I guess you're you're in control of something pretty powerful is the same. There's a lot more regulations that you have to follow while flying, and in racing it's kind of more of a a brawl, if, if, you, if you say that. But, you know, some of those turns that you're in while, while you're flying, it's, you, it, it kind of comes natural to me. And, and some of the maneuvers that you learn in, in flight school kind of came more natural to me. And I'm thinking that's just from racing a race car for so long. And this need for speed, is this something that, like, just is in you? Was it, was it, was it given to you from your family? I mean, we all don't have it. And it's amazing on what you guys can do. Where do you think that comes from? Yeah, so my dad has been racing since I was born, so I was just kind of grown up into it. I started karts when I was 11, and, you know, honestly, it wasn't that good at karts. You know, I'm, I'm a big guy, so I, I, I weighed the kart down, but once I got into a kart when I was 15, then stuff took off more. I was starting to win races out of nowhere, and, and you know, I've, I've been lucky to get into this Mazda MX-5 Cup Series, and this will be my fifth year in the series, so... It's just so exciting. The racing is great. And, and you know, it, the racing comes down to the driver because all the cars are exactly the same. They all are built from the, the same manufacturer, Flips Performance in Daytona Beach. So that's just what makes the, 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 the racing different. They're, they're fairly low horsepower. So the driver really makes the, the difference there. Two more. Can you, can you describe to us in words what it's like when you get behind the wheel and the race is about to start? Oh, we'll, we'll never experience that. We don't know. Can you, can you put it into words? 
you know, there's butterflies, there's nervousness, definitely while we're on the grid before we're, we're ready to roll out. But once we're on that pace lap, once the green flag starts, it everything just kind of comes natural to me. It, it you know, it's there's definitely a aggression there. You have to be using your head. You can't be you can't be too aggressive and, and make a mistake. Can't take someone out, but. It's yeah, it's it's a very unique feeling and it's exciting. I guess it's just the adrenaline of, of being in any other sport and, and just being uh, being pushed down to your limit there. This is my last question. I ask all my guests. Can you give advice to youngsters that want to do this? They have the drive. What advice would you give? Yeah, I would say go to your local karting track. If maybe you're a little older that you don't want to get into the karting track, I like autocross, which autocross is, is something where they would get an empty parking lot. And it's, it's an event where they, they set up a, a track via cones and you're racing against the clock. So pretty much that morning you walk the track, you learn the track, and then you have four runs throughout the day and, and you're getting timed every time. And then you are classified with other people that have similar cars as you and that's the competition about it it's you're racing against the clock and you know you you learn to learn a track very fast and adapt very fast and and i did some autocross back in my day and i and i can i can vouch for that and I, i think that made me a better driver today awesome best of luck thank you very much You know, Celine, ironically, won the first of two Mazda MX-5 Cup races at this race here, the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg last year. So good luck, Celine Royan, on this race. Good luck being a pilot and going for your commercial uh, pilot's license. And thank you so much. Couldn't have been nicer. Couldn't have been nicer. He said, when's this going to be on? I said, I'll link you. So I'm sure if you've seen it through his link, thank him. And I appreciate these guys. Um, all right. So we got that. Now this, this race is going to be on NBC and NBC is also going through the Olympics. I want to talk about that just for a second. And after, so the Super Bowl was on NBC and the Olympics has been on NBC. And then after the Olympics are done now, this race here, this coming week, they will have, you'll see beautiful shots. Oh my God. It's like a, it's going to, it's like a postcard video postcard of St. Pete at this time of year, Tampa Bay and the water and and the palm trees and everything. We're very lucky to live here. You know, very lucky, very lucky, very lucky. I'll never forget when I was a kid, my father, we used to watch uh, Mets baseball and Yankees. Now he could not stand the Yankees. Uh, They have so much money and he was a Mets fan. And, but we watched both. And this back room that we had downstairs, my brothers and I, they weren't into it as much as I was. And I watch it with them. And I remember when it would be spring training and I would see Al Lang Stadium. The New York Mets would play there. I know, I'm old. This is even before the Cardinals. And it was on Channel 9, W, you know, WOR, I think it was at the time. And I would see those palm trees and I would see the water behind. And I was like, wow, I wonder one day I could go live there. Isn't that something? And I ended up living here. Never thought that I would. Amazing, amazing. So everybody involved in the race, best of luck to you. I'm going to be there and enjoy it, and there you go. Uh, the Olympics, I, you know, we, we, I grew up in New Jersey. We loved the snow. We would sleigh ride at our friend's house, John Chegwidden, Billy Chegwidden. The Chegwiddens had, like, these streets, Sampson Avenue that was like, what a hill. And I would, after school every day, just walk there with my sled or whatever we had. We'd do trains and we'd do tire inner tubes and slides and just do that until it was dark and time to come home to eat dinner. And then and if there was a snow day, we would get changed. We would put our wet clothes on a, on a, um, 
we ended up having baseboard radiation, but what do you call them? Like the big uh, radiators, you know, and put that on there and then go back out and just loved it. And we would watch the winter Olympics and the summer Olympics. I, I like both. And I don't know what it is now. Maybe because I have access on my phone to so much whenever I want. If I want to see videos about this, if I'm following this, I want to see this right now. I just boom, click it, boom. Whereas, so I, I, you know, and I really hadn't watched. The Olympics had been going on last week for a couple of days. And it was a night where things have mellowed out a little bit for me since the NFL buck season is over. Things may ramp up, but anyway, but it, it's, it's nice. So, and my wife even asked me, she goes, don't you watch the Olympics? I said, no, nah, you know what? I don't know why. And I said, let me check it out. And then she even came out on the couch with me for a little bit because she worked the Olympics. She worked the Olympics when they had the bombing. Remember that when they accused that Richard Jewell, my wife, Emily was working for, well, she was working for CNN one summer when she went to college at university of Georgia. Then she worked with the Olympic uh, committee. She was driving around a van. She's like five foot, a little thing and driving, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she didn't even know about the bombing. She was, she was staying at this house and her grandmother called and said, there was a bombing in Centennial Park. She didn't even know about it. And anyway, so, you know, blah, blah, blah. So she's familiar with the Olympics. So we started watching it, but it was snowboarding and it was snowboarding for a long time. I was getting bored. Now I like to ski jumping. I love bobsled. That wasn't on. Um, I'm, I, I, the figure skating, they're amazing. They are amazing. And you know what? I will from time to time, but I didn't, you know, so I saw we watched for a while. Then there was an Olympic channel and I went over to that, but they were still doing the same thing with half pipe and that, and you know, God bless them, man. It's amazing on what they do. I love that they are the best in their, for their country. And they put so much time and, and so much sacrifice and all that. But as a fan, I was like, I don't know. I was a little bit bored. I was a little bit bored. And uh, what about you? Did you guys, did you watch, did you watch a lot of Olympics? Usually from what I remember, ice dancing, ice figure skating would uh, always get the highest ratings because a lot of the females in the home want to see it. And the guys are there and you know, they may be watching it too. Um, There used to be this announcer, Dick Button. I remember that. But anyway, I, I'm outdating myself. All righty. Uh, I got to tell you this, and I don't know what age you are listening to this podcast. Now, if you're older, 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 God bless. Uh, I'm not heavily religious, but God bless. I don't know why I said that. Uh, God bless that we're still around. Hell, there's, there's a guy that was a PR director for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Chip Namius, when I first came down here 25 plus years ago to Tampa Bay to start my radio career. And he was the PR director and he is still doing public relations. And he worked this Super Bowl, I believe for public relations, the Super Bowl in LA. I, and he lives in LA. He calls it LA. He loves Fort Lauderdale. He loves Florida. He does not like LA, but he's got his own PR firm. He's been there for a while and he's helped me out one time, got me, um, What's his name? Uh, well, there was David Spade going around and, oh, anyway, anyway, his name is Chip Namius. And I think he worked his 38th 
Super Bowl or 37th Super Bowl. That's that's unbelievable to me. Um, But anyway, I was watching. I have friends that were on what they call Radio Row. And I wanted to go. Now, I did apply for credentials to go to the NFL Combine because of this podcast. I'm going to go with the Tampa Free Press if I get approved. And I'll do a few things for the Free Press. But I'm trying to give some big name, get some big names on this podcast. That's my goal. The rock stops here. All right. So hopefully I'll get approved and hopefully I'll be able to go out and everything is good. I even got my tickets and everything. You're not supposed to do that until you get approved. But anyway, anyway, now I'm older, but I got to appreciate the Pat McAfee show. If you don't know who Pat McAfee is, he was with the Indianapolis Colts. Okay. And punter. He did a thing with a whole costume on as an old man at the RCA Dome or whatever name they call it and came out there as an old man. He looked like an old man and pranked everybody and kicked. And then he started kicking field goals. It was hysterical. It's on YouTube. You can look it up. It's awesome. Awesome. And he left the NFL at a young age on his own terms. And people told him he was crazy. You are leaving the NFL. You're leaving that paycheck to get into the media, to be in radio, to be a host. You're nuts. And he's like, I'm going to do it. And you, and, I, and I was listening to him. He was on this other podcast, busting with the boys. They're like, how? Why? What did you know? He goes, well, he was always like able to tell a good story. He could command the locker room when he was at West Virginia, when he got into the NFL. He knew he had the gift of gab. And, and people liked him. He was also a partier, a partier, fun-loving guy. And he got into the business, and then he got on Barstool. Now, whether you like Barstool or you can't stand him, if you're older, you probably don't like him. But you got to give him credit. The, the young people, the kids love Barstool. I follow a lot of their stuff. Some stuff I don't like, I can't identify with because I am older. And other stuff, I, I give them credit. This day, Portnoy, man... It's not like I really like the guy or anything. He is so successful, so successful in business and what they have built. So uh, McAfee got in under Dave Portnoy and Barstool and saw how they run business, how they captured the internet, how they captured an audience. And he kept doing his thing. And then he started doing stuff for ESPN. He does stuff now also on the side for WWE because he's always been a wrestling fan. And his show is so popular and so successful. And the reason why I'm bringing this up, I love to hear that, you know, this is what I do. I love to hear how people have made it to the top. That's what I love to hear their story. And he was on another podcast and man, I was locked in. It was over an hour. I was doing yard work. That's what I love about podcasts. I can put the phone in my pocket, put on my headphones and do yard work and be out. Let the girls be in the house and I'll stay out of that drama, whatever might be going on. Let them do all their stuff. And I'm just outside. Thank God. it. I got a yard. And I just love it. And it was an interesting story. And some people, they curse. They're, he's got guys on the show that he trusts and they got camaraderie. And they have fun. It's not corporate radio, not corporate TV. It's a big business, the Pat McAfee show. There's a lot of people involved, but they let him do his thing. And what 
so I've been following them and I follow their clips. They got daily clips. I don't sometimes I don't have time for their long show and I subscribe. So I hear all their clips, their, you know, a topic and they get along and there's another former NFL player on there, Adam Hawk. And so they were on radio row. They were all together because Adam Hawk is in, I think he's back in Ohio, but he's at his home. So he's always on video. He's not there with the other guys on the show. And they just took over Radio Road. They, you know, he's wearing like a tank top, man. It's, you know, all the time. They just have fun. And I have, like, I love what I've been able to do. Love it. But I've always had a boss. And it's always been, when I did the TV show on TV, there's, there's, structure there's guidelines oh we oh we did do some things now that we got away with that we use oh my god now that i'm thinking about it we did we did push it you know who you are my producer or uh <coughs> the director mike catolo and chris elias and all this stuff and some of the things we did do now that i think of it i was barry melnose this is on local tv a live show 11 o'clock at night i got a mullet a long mullet at the uh, Party City. It's a store where it's going to be Halloween. And I came on as Barry Melnose. Uh, I did, uh, what's the, the, he used to smoke pot. Ricky Williams, the running back. I came out, I sat on set. Now that I think of it, I did get away with a lot. I came out, I sat on set. We had a helmet that was in the studio. We put a fake visor over me. And the director made it look like I had so much smoke coming out from underneath the visor. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I did a little uh, thing there and that, so now I think we did have fun. And as a matter of fact, I was in a bar. This is back in the day. You can't get away with this stuff on local TV. Now these, sometimes these news directors, they're so bottom, bottom, they're so straight, straight laced. And, uh, oh my God. And, uh, I was in a bar and, Three young guys, one guy pointed and he was staring over at me and he was grinning. And he, and he pointed to his two friends. This is back in the day. And I went to get a drink, a beer by those guys or something. And I looked and I, I grinned back at the guy and the guy goes, Barry Melnose. Never laughed so fucking hard in my life, dude. That's what the kid said to me, young guy. And I'm just like, gave him a handshake, man. Boom, fist bump. Thanks, man. <laughs> All he had to say, Barry Melnose. And it's funny because I interviewed Barry Melrose years later on set uh, of the show that I used to do, the Sports Connection at night when he was the Tampa Bay Lightning coach. And it was like, should I tell him that I used to wear, I wore a mullet and did a, uh, a kind of a mockery? No, because I respected Barry Melrose. But anyway, anyway, anyway. But when I saw Pat McAfee show, they overtook Radio Row and there was a rapper that came on last week. And you should see the amount of fans. They have this uh, walkway where you're allowed to come into Radio Row now. Fans are. My friend Jason Dixon, who's with SiriusXM, did a walk and talk behind the scenes. It was great. He does it every year. I love it. And fans can come in. And it was like four or five deep. It was packed. They were all there to see. And they were dancing. And they were up on the count. They were doing their thing. One guy's got a basketball jersey on and one of his guys. And they're just having a blast. They also gave him the buttons for, there's a couple of cameras 
they shoot it on video and he was switching and like there's Joe Montana walking look at look at look at guys and he's switching right there and whoever's directing their show in the back is letting him take control and it was like it was great it was fun i just loved that man and that's i just god man maybe there's maybe there's still a chance down the road that i'm not done yet you know what i really liked you know how i'm always saying oh i'm older and they want to give me a chance and this and that i gotta stop you know screw that screw that because espn their coverage all last week of the Super Bowl, they had two reporters, one covering the Cincinnati Bengals, one covering the L.A. Rams. The female that was covering one of the teams was Diana uh, Russini. Ah, oh, she's a Jersey girl. She's funny. She's got a great personality. She's cute. She's, and she's good. And I, I, I really like her. I'm a big fan. Big fan because of the attitude, the fun. Again, Fun. This should, covering sports should be fun. Talking sports, it's an outlet. Shouldn't be so serious. Unless you got money on a, on a game or a player. I got you. But, and Sal Palantonio, who I had on my Bucks Kickoff podcast, was covering the other team. Sal Palantonio is around the same age as me. So I was like, look at that. Yeah, there you go. There you go. There you go. All right. One thing that I got to get off my chest. It, what about you? Do you feel the same way as me? It amazes me. People that are on social media, whether it be Facebook or Twitter or Instagram doesn't seem to have as much drama. Really doesn't. Instagram is more laid back. A little picture here and there, boom. But the back and forth on Facebook, Twitter sometimes, Oh my God. And this has happened to me quite a bit. I will post something. All right. Because of my sports coverage and trying to link to my podcast here, the rock stops here, whatever. If I don't do it, who's going to do it? And it was on something well, with, with Tom Brady, you know, and I might have a meme where it shows somebody, the Photoshop is just tremendous out there. You Photoshoppers, man. And what you're able to do. God dang, you guys are good. They had a picture of Tom Brady. He looked like he was probably 55, 60 years old. So I posted that and said, I hope that it isn't a far thing that he's back and forth, you know, because that just, uh, you ruin the legacy a little bit, little bit, little bit, you know? Um, and that was it. So get a lot of comments, a lot of comments. Boom, boom, boom. Some people just start arguing amongst themselves. I just let them go. I'm like, God dang, it's on Facebook. Well, one guy's like, he was so unhappy with the Bucks, the organization. You could see he wasn't having fun. That's why he retired. And I'm like, oh, my God, man. All right, well, what do you know? I'm like, listen, I was there every day. I was there for practices. I was there for games. And I was there on Thursdays when Brady would speak. And I've even asked him questions. I didn't, I don't know where you're getting your information from. And they will double down. That guy was probably, that guy's on his couch. Where does that confidence come from? I'm there. I'm talking to staff that are in the building. We're talking to players, coaches, Brady himself. I'm watching the interaction on the field. I'm there at games. I'm in the hallway. I see him with his son. I see him getting into his car. I don't know if I told him on this podcast or not. He's the first player that I've ever seen in the hallway of Raymond James Stadium after a game, get in his car in the hallway, outside the locker room. That's where he parks. 
I've never seen that before. But he's Tom Brady because he would be bombarded if he tried to walk out for all it would autographs. And he was there with his son. I saw that a couple of times. The Glaziers, who own the team, they, they, they park inside Raymond James Stadium. There's not a lot of room because you got the hallway, you got the visiting locker room, the uh, main locker room. It used to be closer, but now it's down, down a little bit of ways. And uh, you got a little bit of an area where you can drive a vehicle in. Brady's got a truck, by the way. Nothing, nothing outrageous. That's Brady. But, I mean, I'm there. I'm seeing it. And then they'll double down. Like, then I just give up. I'm like, oh, my God, you can't change their opinion. Like, But where does that confidence come from? That would be like me going to a, um, a professor of whatever he studies and me giving my opinion. And then he says, no, you know what? I've done the studies. You know, I've talked to people. and This is what it is. No, it's not. You know, I just, it blows me away. There was, there was a, uh, there was a thing. I just saw some on my phone. There was a th- thing a couple of years ago with Jameis Winston. I forget what specifically it was, but I walked up here to my local craft beer bar that I go to and boom, I just like walking that way. I'm not getting behind the vehicle. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's great. I can walk there. So I walk there and they know me and I have my beer and da, da, da. And this guy down the end, he's known as kind of like a loud mouth. He starts ripping on the bucks, ripping on Jameis. And look, I wasn't a Jameis fan. I was willing to give him a shot. I was going to call like I see it. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, oh, uh, you know, you know. And this guy is like, he's spewing a lot of false stuff. And about, and I'm like, no, I got to disagree, man. I mean, I'm there. I can tell you what I saw at practice. And he's like, bullshit. You know, blah, 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 blah. Boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, and then he wants to argue. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And then even going out, he wanted to bet me. You know, he wanted to bet me about something and like, Oh my God. And just to show you, but you know what, what I find out is these people that are so confident in their argument, even when they're wrong, they're usually like jag offs. You know what I mean? Because this guy down at the end of the bar that was arguing with me, even though what does he know? He's not there. He took in one of the bartenders into his house because he had a house. This is the guy that, that was arguing with me. He had a decent job, I guess, and he had a house in the area. And this bartender was looking for an apartment. And he goes, why don't you live with me? Because I was going to move back in with my ex. We were going to make a, you know, we were going to make a go of it. And the ex didn't want anything to do with him. Go figure. But whatever. I don't, I don't care. And so he took in this guy, a friend of mine. And okay, great. So the friend of mine, the bartender, was living with this guy that argues in his house. And he's living there for a couple of months. And they don't really see each other. You know, it's cool. Everything is cool. Everything is cool. And then one Sunday, on a Sunday, the bartender has a girlfriend. Now, it's really cool. I like both of them a lot. And they go to the mall. And he gets it. My friend that's the bartender with his girlfriend are walking around the mall. And he gets a text from this arguer and he says, Hey man, sorry, man. My girl now is going to move back in. So you got to get your shit out by today, like four o'clock. Boom. You got to be kidding me. Like 
you only give him a couple hours notice. And the thing about it is my friend saw the landlord, the owner of the house, this jag off, saw him that morning and he didn't say anything to his face. Yet he texts him and tells, texts him and tells him, you got to get your shit out by four o'clock today. See what I'm saying? So like a lot of times these people on social media that are just a-holes, if you go and look at their feed, they're like, oh my God, they're a jerk to everybody about everything. So you, I guess you just got to take it with a grain of salt. It just blows me away. And you know what my friend did? And this was on a Sunday. He started looking up apartment complexes in the area, this area where I'm living in upper Pinellas County. And he started, and it was on a Sunday and he started uh, calling and trying to see if he could get a, uh, an apartment. And a lot of times you got to be at least 24 hours because you got to give the, your bank information, how much money you make. They got to check on that. They'll check on maybe two references. You know what I'm saying? He by himself was able to be, he got it in this. That's what I like about this guy. He's a young guy too. None of this woe is me. He was able to get into an apartment complex by Monday at 5 p.m. And you know what he did? He went back to the house. He rented a truck, U-Haul. He, he, he didn't have that much stuff, but it counts. He moved himself. And the guy that was that told him, you know, you got to get out. And they didn't have any fight or argument or anything. Didn't even help. He just left. And... My friend did it all and buy. And then I was there on Tuesday. I went down to get a beer and I heard that story and I was blown away. And I was like, I gave that guy, my bartender friend, a handshake because he already moved himself into a new apartment within 24 hours. There you go. No excuses, no whining. And he's a good dude. And you know what? He has not seen that arguer since. That guy has not even shown his face in the bar. So there are just jagoffs out there and you got to stay away from them because life is too short. Right? Am I right? Who wants to waste time, man? All right. This is a little bit uh, shorter one today. Hope you had a good one. Uh, what are we going to do? Football season is over. What are we going to do? Enjoy hockey. If you're a basketball fan, enjoy the hoops, right? March Madness will be around the corner. That's always kind of fun. Uh, and just enjoy Let's try to enjoy life because, oh, my God, life was, it was a little shaky here. We had a little disagreement, my wife and I. And, you know, there's that saying where they always say, oh, don't go to bed uh, unhappy. You know, always make up. Well, there's no making up at night. And when I woke up, I don't like that. I do not like conflict. That's actually what it was over, blah, blah, blah. And you know what? Things work themselves out. Time heals all. And after a day or two, everything is good because it was our anniversary. And I'm like, oh, my God. I, she probably doesn't even want to go out to dinner with me. <laughs> I get a gift certificate. <laughs> and everything is great. Uh, it's good. It's really, really good. Everything is good. So life's up and downs. You got to take the bad with the good. I'll see you next week. Thanks so much, man, for being here and supporting. Let's. Oh, that's what I wanted to say. My friend Chip Namius, the, the PR director that did his 38th Super Bowl in Los Angeles, in L.A., as he calls us. He had a Facebook post, and he said, it's my 38th Super Bowl, or 37th, and I'm just happy to be around at this point. I feel the same way. I'm just happy to be here talking to you, and hopefully I'll talk to you next week. Have a good one, guys. 
This is an Ian Beckles flavor in your ear quick fix on Radio Influence. This whole Joe Rogan thing, and Joe Rogan has his own podcast, and uh, it so happens to be the most popular podcast in the world, and uh, he's doing very, very well. And as someone who's been doing podcasts for a while, you have to look up to a Joe Rogan and what he's accomplished in a very short amount of time, and he's a Don, you know? So he, he definitely deserves his respect. Uh, when all this stuff came out, and it came out, um, there's, there's going to be one side that says... You know, somebody's whistleblowing and they're just putting this together and it's a smear job. I, I'm not that person. I don't care. Okay, listen, you said it, okay? Joe Rogan, you said it. That's it. It will look and sound a lot different when you splice it together, okay? So I'm going to start by saying this, people. And I said this before on this show many times before. It's just a word. Racism is not a word. Racism is in your heart. Because you guys know it. And it, the people who bicker about what well, you're saying it, you're the racists, all right? Because I have Caucasian friends who I've heard use the N-word and it didn't phase me. It don't phase me, you know why? Because they're not racist. And this is the unfortunate part. If you're Caucasian, it's up to us whether it's okay or not. You really don't have any say in it. Does that sound un-American? Well, if, if it's to you, it's un-American, but I, we didn't make the damn word up. And I'm going to say this about Joe Rogan. I didn't have a problem with Joe Rogan before I heard the allegations. And I still don't have a problem with Joe Rogan. You know why? Listen to this part of it. I don't know Joe Rogan. If I knew Joe Rogan, I'd be able to speak on behalf of Joe Rogan. Okay? I don't know him. So for somebody who doesn't know somebody, for me to hear something or a word he said, not even getting the context of it, for me to dislike him is just is ignorant and childish for me. You can find Ian Beckles' Flavor in Your Ear on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com.